Hello there. Thank you for joining us again on The Basic and The Brain. For those of you who may have missed us the last few weeks, we're Alina and Maddie, aka The Basic and The Brain, and we're here to bring Botox and Bravo to the fucking table for your next dinner party. Yeah, I mean, think of it as us bringing basic bitch topics into the intellectual sphere. So grab yourself a glass of wine, or White Claw, or whatever hard seltzer, alcoholic drink of preference, (laughs) and join us for this week's episode. We're so excited to share that this week we have our first ever special guest joining us on The Basic in the Brain this week. And for those of you um, listening, we actually have just popped the bubbly. Sorry, I didn't wait for us to start recording, but cheers cheers, because we're so excited um, to start integrating friends, family, and experts into the mix. Um, so really, really, really exciting. Expert used very loosely with me. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so for those of you who I'm are an expert in drinking, <laughs> yeah, and we all, yes, I'm here for it. Um, Alina, do you want to kick us off with who our special guest is? Yes. So very excited for our first guest ever. And for those of you who are wondering who this lovely, I almost said lovely lady is. I've been called uh, worse in my life, believe me. I think that's a compliment. Uh, Paul is one of my family friends. Um, and really, he knows now. I finally admitted that he was my first crush ever. He was cousin Polly. But Paul, you're like nine years older than me. Ten, nine, nine years older. Than hey, me. hey, hey, hey. No, 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 Watch nine it years there. Older than me. <laughs> <Ooh>. Fighting words. <laughs> 13, 14. No, I'm maybe. eight years older than you. Okay, I'm not good at math. So whatever. You were like in your early I'm teenage walk out years. <laughs> No, no. So anyway, Paul was like in his teenage years when I was like my fat roly poly, like eight year old self. And I remember that he used to come over to the block and like, I would be like, Lena was a bitch when she was a little girl. I was fat. Uh, And nothing has changed. All right. right. This is rude. No. (laughs) Anyway, so going back to this. um, And so when Maddie and I were, you know, just chatting about bringing guests in and just kind of shaking things up a little bit, um, we knew that Paul was going to be our like first guest and such a good guest given a you're wonderful, but B um, because of the topic that we have at hand. And like, I literally can't think of someone better given your background. Um, So Paul started as a reality TV producer. Yes. He has lots of cool friends in LA, Mm -hmm. um, but no, he hasn't introduced me to all of them yet. So (laughs) Help me harass it. No, I'm joking. Um, but he has turned real estate agent in LA and actually helped us buy our house that everyone knows about. <laughs> um, and subsequently gave me the name Karen Speranza. So you are the OG Karen of uh, buying houses. I love it. Can't wait, can't wait to be on the other side of that. Um, <laughs> just in, Paul has been our roomie through COVID and um, comes over regularly and we drink yeah. wine together and we watch shows together and we commentate we on said shows yep. and we host together. That is just so cute. Pretty much every house party that I've gone to in LA, Paul is there. He's like the like honorary co-host always. Now and forever. 
literally is hosting. I feel like you're, you're always like in the kitchen. You're like, Oh, let me get you a drink. I'm like, yes, this is great. I need this. It's like your family, you know, you just make yourself comfortable. Mm-hmm. No. How long? To buy this house when they move <laughs> because the market here is insane. And so there's that. That's okay. We're going to work out a deal. You know this. Um, how long have you been in LA for? Uh, since 2016, a little over five years. And before that you were in New York? Grew up in New York. Most oh yeah. Born and bred. I fucking love that. Um, oh my god, this is just so exciting. I'm I can't believe. Well, first off, a big thank you for agreeing to come on today. I know our talent management team hasn't been all that great. Apologies. Um, but thank you for making the time for us today. I was so booked today, but I cleared my schedule for you guys. <laughs> really, and then he's I literally had off. nothing going on. <laughs> dashing off to some like cool LA. I'm going to a this. concert tonight at the Forum. It's like a holiday like radio concert where they have like a bunch of different artists. So like Ed Sheeran, Dua Lipa, Doja. Oh wait, oh, my gosh! I think my boss is going there tonight with her like, tweens. Single ball, I think they call it. You know, my mm. girl's fabulous, and she gets into all these things and. She's like, you're coming with me. I'm like, great. She actually texted me yesterday. and was like, want to leave the house today? Because everyone knows I don't leave my house. And I was like, the one time I actually have plans. Oh, you went out last Yeah. Well, I just went. I oh, yeah. She went to, um, you know, Jill, Maddie. Mm-hmm. She's like VIP everything. She's literally celebrity. She got um, invited to Sweetie. You know, Sweetie, the singer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like one of her like promotional events where she was going to be and there was like it was like they turned a, a place into like a winter wonderland and a whole thing um i, I did not go because i needed a break last night because i'm old man apparently you know. <laughs> i didn't say you were old i said you're older than me <laughs> i said that you were like the cool older cousin that would come around and was like too cool to look in the general direction of look. a fat <laughs> that's <No>. actually <laughs> um but, but prior yeah. to real estate i had 13 year career in the entertainment industry. So I used to go to all these kinds of events. So cool. And now I go and I feel like the old man in the room, like roll me in in like a wheelchair and like put me in the corner and just prop my head up. And (laughs) And it's like, how do you do the TikTok? Like every time I go somewhere that's relatively, I mean, not not even cool. Like if I just go to dinner, I see like kids that are there and they're dressed so cute and they're TikToking. And I'm just like, they what like they're in sweatsuits, but they look like they're a million dollars. They're wearing like Dolce Gabbana. It's yeah. like I can't keep up with it. I know. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um okay. Well on that note, should we get started on our next segment for the day? I'm very excited. Yes, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna warm up here a little bit. Um, Paul, I know that you do listen to us, but um, for those listeners who are joining us for the first ever time, we typically do our basic bitch quickies, uh, where we, you know, usually do our quick fire thoughts on sort of top of headline things. But I think this week we're gonna mix it up a little bit, um, and you know, we'd focus on quick fire questions instead to get to know our guest on a little deeper of a level. So we've got a few questions for you paul are you ready for us i do okay uh are we gonna time this lena are we just quick fire we're just gonna ask them and have paul answer them i I don't think we time it i think i think yeah i think that we should go for it and give paul the stage all right let's fucking do it yeah okay so paul what is your sun sign Uh, i'm a gemini 
Ooh, you little when double face fucker. <laughs> I get from every single person on the planet when they hear I'm a Gemini. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like being a Gemini comes with like, like the um, scarlet letter on my chest. Like everyone just assumes that I'm a certain way. Mm. And I do carry some characteristics of a Gemini. However, the main one, which everyone's like, you're double-faced, two-sided, backstabbing person, your split personality, that is not me. No, I was going to say, I, you. I, I was going to say, I know your birthday, but it never occurred to me that you're a Gemini. A, a Gemini. <laughs> I'm so nervous, Paul. I, I, my crush, my childhood crush is next to me. Um, no, I, like it never even occurred to me. And I feel like, you, one of the things that like I noticed and I I think is really fucking cool is I don't think that you ever kind of stray from like who you are. And I feel like, you know, if Paul, I feel like you don't dislike anybody, but I feel like if you're not like, oh, this is my favorite person, like you can definitely tell. But beyond oh, that- I'm not good at faking it. Like if I'm no. not feeling it or like the energy is not there for me, like I've kind of shut down and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything right now. <laughs> Get quiet. Yeah, just go move to the corner of the room. Key thanks. But isn't that the exact opposite of like what you would expect from a two-faced person? Like, I feel like I'm more two-faced than that. But I feel like my <laughs> my two personalities for Gemini for me, okay. are, I have moments where I could be like fun and wild and witty and like loud and like chatty Kathy. And then there's moments where like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, I want to be alone. I'm quiet. Mm-hmm. Like. I do my own thing. I isolate. Like that's my two personalities. Like mm. that's true. That 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 I can see. I know that you like you definitely love your you time, but I feel like it's it's still like to go back to my point. Like it's you, and like I know that that's you. But I get, I never thought about it as a dual personality thing. I think there's a misconception. Everyone hears Gemini. They're like, oh, gosh, like, you know, (laughs) like, oh, people are like, I'll never date a Gemini. Or the last Gemini I dated, you know, was so crazy. Never again. I'm like, take me off your dating list because I don't want to date you anyway. Do you think people just, sorry, not to cut you off, but do you think that people automatically just see the negativity in signs? Because I'm just 100%. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. This is like a huge thing. And especially I feel like there's like such a huge, like, resurgence of interest in astrology signs, um, which is hilarious to me because your sun sign is one very small aspect of the entirety of your birth chart. So it's always hilarious to me when someone's like, I will never date a Taurus or I'll never date a Gemini. Because each, you know, you and I talked about this, I think in the last episode where every like every sign um, has sort of their pros and cons, right? Like Aries, which is me, hot-headed as fuck. Everyone's just like, fuck Aries or too hot-headed. Scorpio, they think that y'all are like conniving, cold-hearted assholes, for example. Gemini, two-faced, Taurus, hard-headed, et cetera, et cetera. The list can just go on and on and on, but there's just so many more facets to a personality. I always just find it interesting though. You are an air sign. I like that. What does the air part of it mean? See, I'm not that versed on astrology. Oh no, it's just every sign has sort of a... a element to it. So as a Gemini, you're an air sign. Aries is fire. Scorpio is water. Oh my God, there are different elements in this call right now. I'm here for it. There are three, right? Or are there four? There are four. There's earth too. Oh, earth. That was the one I did. So we're the trifecta triangle of. Yeah. Fuck earth signs. No, I'm just kidding. Wait, so Maddie told me that her mom said to her, um, her mom was like, I'm fanning your flame. Because my mom's a Libra, which is an air sign. 
and and her husband is a water sign and she's like no earth sign he's an earth sign wait i thought she said that pierre was like no so the way that it went is so my mom's a libra and she's just like yeah like i'm the air sign i'm fanning your flames and pierre's a capricorn which is an earth sign and she was like yeah and your husband he just snuffs out your light (laughs) oh my god could you die i've never laughed so hard in my life actually when you told me that um, which is not true at all. I know, which is just funny. Cause it's like some people be like, yeah, Earth then like they keep you grounded, you know? And like, that's what normal people would say about my mother. I'm just also, like, tell me how you really feel mom. <laughs> Maddie's mom is also like a YouTube star for astrology. Oh yeah. It is hilarious. So my mom is like, she did this like a couple years ago and she's like on and popping in like Middle Eastern and North African countries. Like she's like famous there for her astrology mm-hmm. stuff. Did she read charts and stuff? Mm-hmm. I tried to get Maddie to let her be on an episode, but we don't want to mix that part of our lives, apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. And mom was <laughs> like, yeah, I could totally show, shout you guys out. And I was like, mom, I don't think you want to do that with your audience. I think you're good. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So next question. Um, what sort of top of mind for you in regards to celebrity headlines for this week? So... I'm a, like a pop culture whore because I just <laughs> for so long and like I'm just fascinated by celebrities and Hollywood. I just think it's so crazy. However, the more serious one that's just been talked about yesterday, more more predominantly because uh, Alec Baldwin did an interview about the shooting on the set of Rust. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that's a bad one. First exclusive. And it, I was like riveted. I was like glued to the TV for like an hour. Like, I literally, like, could not stop watching it because it was, like, so many emotions, like, guilt, feeling bad for him, feeling bad for the family, like, all, all these unanswered questions, like, what really happened? Like, who was responsible for it? Like, knowing that he's didn't do anything wrong, but did he do something wrong? Like, there's all these, like, weird, like, sort of scenarios that mm-hmm. are being discussed. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, this poor man. And also, he, this poor family, but... Yeah. Imagine accidentally being responsible for taking someone's life. Like that has to be like the worst feeling in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've been on a lot of production sets over the years for t- big TV projects, not major films, but like small indie films and stuff like that. And the moving, the, ma- the number of moving parts are insane. There's just like a million people that have all these different roles and like everyone's responsible for something. And you walk on a set and there's like a million people running around and you have no idea what people are doing. And, but everyone has a role and, you know, everyone is responsible for doing something and safety, obviously on sets is huge. Um, and that part of like, someone was responsible for that. And there was a big mistake that was made clearly. So yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how this is unfolding. I think what's also insane is this, this isn't the first time this happened in Hollywood. Like you think about the crow, Bruce Lee's son was actually shot on set of a movie as well due to like an issue with the the prop gun um, and something to do with the blinks and the actual, essentially some level of incompetence down the line. But it's so insane to me that we're just seeing the beginnings of what actually went down. Yeah. It, I mean, sorry. I was just going to say, based on the interview, like Alec Baldwin, like he's not taking responsibility, but he was basically saying like, yes, there was a mistake that happened, mm-hmm. but I was not the person in charge of 
there's a person that's in charge of that gun. Yeah. The safety measures that go along with that gun. Yeah. And he was trusting that person because they were basically hired and background checked and trained to do what they're supposed to do. So that's the same thing like in real estate. Someone hires me based on their trusting me to know what I'm doing. You know, I'm not expecting Alina as my client Karen. to do my job, you know. Mm. Aaron Speranza. There were times that when the control freak came out and I was like, Paul, who do I need to call? And he was like, all right, Karen, like, calm the fuck down. Although I want to, <laughs> I want to take, not to switch no. No, no, no. topics, but I feel like Karen is such a negative connotation in society that I want to take it back and like own it. Like I told you, I want to start a business called Hire a Karen. <laughs> Where you have like a badass bitch like Alina who can literally call <laughs> customer service. And by the end of the call, she's got a free like living room set. How living much stuff do I, house. did I get like completely? Okay. I'm yes. not talking about like racist, like vile. No, like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about Karen that gets shit done. Oh, yeah. Karen, like, you know, is getting shit fixed, you know, getting free stuff. <laughs> Karen that called Target and spent 30 minutes the other day mm-hmm. being like, excuse me, I bought an 18 piece Pyrex Tupperware set on Monday. And I see now that it's $10 cheaper. I'm going to need you to price match that. And so by the way, not only did I get my $10 back, but I also all the other shit that I bought. Cause you know, I go to target and it's not good. Um, I ended up getting a $25 gift card for like all of the other shit. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everyone needs this kind of Karen in their life. Yeah. hundred percent. Service or like go to the store or like, Try to like beg people for things like Karen will do it for you. Paul, I think that now you're going to have to like move on this idea before somebody who's listening is like, oh my (laughs) God, good idea. Let me go patent that. So next business venture. Um, I'm loving it. Wait, so um, not just to go back to the the topic. I haven't watched the Alec Baldwin um, interview yet. I plan to do it this weekend, but I guess, you know, being somebody who comes from the industry and knowing that there is literally somebody who is like responsible for that. What do you know, like what the legality is there? Cause for example, like in, in finance, right. I feel like there is like an, the, the leader, the senior leader is the one who like signs off on the company's like books for the quarter, for the year, whatever it is. Like, even if little Joe Schmo, like Alina, let's say I typed a number in wrong, or maybe I did something intentionally, like that's on the person that signed that this was okay. And like, good to go. Is that the same in the industry or? Yeah, like there's a head of production that is sort of overseeing a lot of different things. And then there's all the other departments underneath that that are like sort of being supervised. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like based on this interview that there was a lot of other things happening in the background that Alec didn't even know about until after the fact that like basically were supporting the idea that a lot of people weren't doing the job that they were supposed (sighs) to be doing. And there was something cracks. Um, So I think... I don't think it's going to be one person responsible. I think it's going to be like multiple people and like the whole like production company. I was going to say, because I know that there's a lot going on right now with production teams and a lot of people behind set that are, um, I was going to say like rioting. Why the hell am I saying that? Uh, But like protesting the current conditions in the movie industry. And there was some hearsay that that may have been one of the reasons why there may have been incompetence behind set. Um, So kind of curious to what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So a couple of things, and I'm not in production anymore, so I've been out of it for a few years, but you work very long hours. Mm -hmm. So the amount of exhaustion that goes into, you mean you, you start, on set at sometimes 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and you work till 
10 a.m. I'm 10 p.m. 11 p.m. at night. So you're working like long days. Obviously, there's rules and regulations around that um, for breaks and stuff. But um, Alec Baldwin touches on this in the interview where there was some, I guess, crew that were basically like writing emails to the production and the head executives and basically saying like, there's all this shit going on behind the scenes here. And like the working environment is not great. And there's things falling through the cracks. We don't feel safe. This was leading up to this was before the shooting even happened. Um, So I feel like there were definitely some issues going on with the crew and people not being happy and not feeling safe on set. Um, And again, I've worked around like big talent before and a lot of the times the the actor or the celebrity really doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes because they're protected from that stuff yeah they're just like just let's make sure the actor has everything they need they're happy they're performing on camera and then all the other stuff is just background noise that people are dealing with so he might not have known anything that was going on i don't know you know i I think that the thing here is like there's manslaughter right manslaughter is one where it's involuntary I think that's well. Obvious. There's voluntary and involuntary manslaughter. There's like two varieties as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the brain. Okay, so I guess though, in in this particular case, there's involuntary manslaughter involved, which is why I understand. Obviously, there's going to be legality around that, but I feel like, generally speaking, to your point, right? Like, it obviously wasn't malicious. Alec Baldwin was like, "Hey, let me, let me, you know." So I hope to God he wasn't, and I don't think he was, but I, I feel like if it, let's just say she was injured, right. His liability would be completely different. And that just, that almost sucks, right. For the person who's putting their trust and their, you know, like they're, they're trusting somebody to do their job. And literally it just happened to be a matter of life and death here. And that's just, I can't imagine right now. He's going to live with this for the rest of his life. Like he took someone's mother away by accident and that's really shitty i mean beyond shitty you know like that that's horrible um yeah okay. it's gonna there's obviously an investigation going on and it's gonna yeah. be very interesting to see what how it plays out mm. um who ends up really there's already uh, lawsuits been filed by certain crew members which mm. is kind of crazy because the main family of this woman that got shot and killed, they haven't even filed a lawsuit yet because they're waiting. I think they're waiting for the investigation, Mm -hmm. but there's other crew members who are suing. Like it just, it sounds like a big mess. Um, But that is really sad. Um, Man. Let's go to a lighter fun. I know. know. (laughs) It leads our turn really quickly. Okay. So I think um, maybe now, these are like the real quick fire round. Sure. So I'm going to go ahead and set a two minute timer. Mm. <laughs> so excited for these. Okay. Mm. All right. Ask the questions, Maddie, and I will, this is my one job. Okay. Um, do you think Kim and Kanye are getting back together? Two minutes go. I do not think Kim and Kanye are getting back together. Oh. I think uh, Kim has moved on. And she knows crazy when she sees crazy and she's done with it. And I think Kanye, everything he does is very calculated and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's creating a scene. He's getting attention. He's doing this. He's doing that. Um, but I do not think, I don't think Kim is going to stay with Pete. I think that it's just, she's having some fun. Pete's funny. He's like probably so super easygoing, like doesn't care about all the like attention and stuff like that. So she's just having a good time right now. But no, if she's smart, she will keep going in the opposite direction. Okay. Question for you though on this. Sorry, not to cut you off, but 
do you think that she's with Pete to take the heat off of the Astro World, um, Travis and Kylie situation? I don't think there's anything at this point that Kardashians can do that's gonna like they're every single family member is in the headlines for something like every other day. Chloe was just getting backlash for posting something like I don't know about something else. I think it was about Al. No, no, it was about something, was something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, she posted about something and like people were shitting on her because she didn't post about the astral world tragedy. It was like a different tragedy. So yeah, I remember this. Like all this different stuff. And then they were getting shipped for posting their lavish Thanksgiving meal on social media at Kim, uh, um, Chris Jenner's new like $15 million house she just built. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like every other day there's a new story about them. So I feel like it's just, you know. Yeah. Speaking of which today, um, Chloe's back in the new... <laughs> Because Tristan... Like, are we surprised that Tristan has another baby mama now? Like, that he got another woman pregnant while he was dating Chloe? Like, is anybody surprised? No, but I'm so sad for her. I just wanted to be happy, right? Of course, but, like, if you keep doing the same fucking thing... I think they were, like, together, like, on the DL. All right. Next one. Okay, this is the personal favorite of mine. I don't think we need two minutes. Actually, well, let's give us two minutes. Okay. Yeah. Many, I've had this conversation many a time. <laughs> All right, go. Um, so after you poop, do you wipe sand- standing or sitting? And two minutes, go. Um, okay, so I'm like a hybrid of standing and sitting. I'm like a squatter. Wait, a wiper. Interesting. What? It's okay. The type of poop that happens, though. And guys, I will have you know, I'm like the best shitter in the world. Sometimes I don't know how I'm still fucking alive because I shit so much. <laughs> But it's like they're good shits. They're not like weird shits. They're not discolored shits. They're just like healthy shits. But good. I feel like my insides I'm are so eating. so happy for you. I, I feel like my insides are eating myself out. And I'm like, I should be dead. <laughs> like shit that it happens. <laughs> but anyway, I'm like a hybrid. Like I, I stand up a little bit, but I'm still squatting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. 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 I also uh, have a, yeah, so I have to like. Open up the chair. Don't let Mark hear that. Mark is going to fight you well, for that comment now. That's no, it. I didn't say a ginormous ass. I said a big ass. <laughs> I say, that's it. You, you're out. You, we're changing the codes to the we're door. We're Italian. We have the big, big Italian butts. <laughs> um, oh my God. I just realized, are we like Tracy and Josh Flagg? Because like, <laughs> you know the code to literally everything. Like today I was getting dressed. He was like, hi, are you home? I was like, yeah, just come on in. And like, oh. you know, oh my God. Okay. Um, Maddie, what, what do you do? Oh, we, we know this. I sit. And I think we came to the theory that those with big asses like kind of have to sit cause it's, you know, spreading of the cheeks and that assistance area. You got to like get all up in there. Whereas like I, I was more of a stander, but now we have a tushy. And so now there's not really thing happening, but I sit and I understand why people sit. But so Maddie asked me this for the first time about six years ago. And I was like, I had never thought about it. And then I was like, wait, I sit like, I mean, I stand like, what do you mean? And she like, we just re she was like, yeah, about 50% of the population sits and 50% give or take stand. You're, you happen to be an outlier here, but, um, and then, uh, anyway, moral of the story is, we asked Pierre and Mark, and we have a theory that the bigger your ass, the more you need to spread. So you sit. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. That is true. Hygiene. All right. Hello. Um, okay. One hey. more. One. The that next a, one, I think. Like, <laughs> Wait, what? 
Boom. I said that was a shitty topic, by the way. <laughs> um, the next one I think Alina should ask, because this was her follow-up question like a year or so after the fact, or maybe a few years after the fact. It was like years later, because I remember yeah. who asked me this question. I was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> um, okay. Do you scrunch up your toilet paper or do you fold it neatly? Go. When you're wiping your butt? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I fold it neatly. I could see that. Because then I like, I try to use all the toilet paper. So then like you fold it over and use the clean side and you, yeah. Well, I'm getting you a tissue for Christmas. <laughs> toilet paper, it's a hot commodity now. You got to conserve those rolls. Guys, I went to Target uh, again after I got my $25 gift card, had to spend it. And there was like no toilet paper on the shelves. Oh my God. My mom said the same thing. She's like, yeah. We went to the store to get toilet paper and there was nothing there. I'm it's so the Omari, it's the Omarion variant. Omarion. Everyone's going crazy. <laughs> Omarion. Um, yeah, no, seriously, that's a thing. But um, okay, that so your so folder, wild. I feel like I could see that. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to believe I was a folder because I, I feel like, like you need a flat surface to wipe your butt. When you scrunch it up, it's like a rough like surface. Yeah. It's not, I don't know. I'm a folder. Yeah, so shit gets lost up there. So I gotta, <gasps> I gotta make sure like I'm doing it nice and neat and clean. I I feel like I want to be a folder so bad because I'm so like anal about a lot of shit. You are. Oh, because um, I'm a scruncher. I'm a scruncher. That's surprising. I was. I know, right? I'm a scruncher, and I'm. I literally was like, guys, I'm a folder, and then I was like. Oh my god, I'm a scruncher. I, I felt very Mark funny. just must Mark must take the whole roll of toilet <laughs> paper and shove it in his ass. <laughs> Accurate. No. <laughs> you guys need to include like a shot, like a, a photo of Mark's ass in this like conversation. <laughs> we'll post it. We'll post it. To we me. have talked about his ass more than a few times on this on this show. I would say one, once an episode. Okay, Maddie, really quickly because we're we're about to run out of time. Fold or scrunch? Oh, fold. I would have thought you were a scruncher, but really, me. But I would have thought, yeah. Interesting. I wonder what how that's like defined in your head. If I, you know, one were a scruncher. Okay, my my alarm went off, but it was very quiet. Okay, we'll talk about that offline. Okay, Okay, so that was fun. Uh, I, but I feel like we have a lot to get to today because. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. We're we're all very 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 excited. Yes. Okay. So. This week, we're talking everything Selling Sunset since the fourth season just premiered on Netflix. Um, For our listeners who may not be in the know, which shame on you, you should be. um, This season essentially focuses on the ongoing drama that most of the women on the show have had with Christine. We have uh, two new additions this season, Vanessa and Emma. Uh, Vanessa, really sweet from Mexico City. You know, she tries to be the middle woman between most of the women at the Oppenheim group uh, and Christine. Um, And Emma is supposedly on Christine's shit list for supposedly having dated an ex-boyfriend of hers. Oh, ex-fiance. All while while trying to make Emma seem like a homewrecker, which we learn isn't really the case. Uh, All in all, the main focus was not on the real estate, as I feel like has become quite customary for this show. Um, And it got me and Jing Jing over here thinking about how much of this shit is actually real. And we figured, huh, 
you know, Paul is in real estate and he's worked on the production side for these types of shows related to real estate. So we figured we get to pick your brain on how realistic some of this shit actually is. So first off, when Selling Sunset first came on Netflix, I was like, ugh, another real estate show about million-dollar agents who are just showing their glamorous life and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Aline's like, no, you got to get into it. I'm like, ugh, I can't. I got you into it? You you pressured me to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I know that, but I didn't know I was like the only you one. You gave me a glass of wine. You're like, watch it. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I do this. Um, but... And the first season was like a little bit rough for me because you didn't really know the characters yet. And I was like, this is just another like trashy reality show and blah, blah, blah. But once you get into it, you're like, oh, my God, like it's like watching a car crash. You can't turn away. Can't stop. And I love it because there's nothing like L.A. real estate and like just seeing like the crazy houses that they go into is just like amazing in itself, aside from all these crazy bitches that are on the show. (laughs) Um, But. I am not a luxury agent by any means. So this is actually like kind of voyeuristic for me because I don't do that high level. Mm. So for me, it's actually like, I know the inner workings of real estate, but getting to see like the amount of money and like things that they get to experience with working with like clients who are like billionaires is like a whole other level, which I find fascinating. What do you think are the main differences now that you're mentioning it? It is actually one of my core questions is like, what is the real difference in the sort of process of like luxury real estate versus like regular real estate? Um, I would say a lot of times when your clients, if you're representing a seller or a buyer, people who have money, there's a much more of like an entitlement and arrogance sometimes. And an ego that goes along with having money because you think like, I have money, I can make any decision or comment or any, you know, offer that I want because I have money which is not always the case with, you know, clients who don't have <laughs> my budget. Are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I still manage to be a client and you're like, my clients are so humble. But I Except also, Karen. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like the there's a less pool of like buyers for houses that are over, you know, $5 million. It's just not as many, it's not as saturated as there are for people who are, can afford to buy like a million dollar home or $1.5 million home. Um, so I think it's harder sometimes to sell a property. Mm-hmm. You have to schmooze. That's why they show all their like, like schmoozing and dining and like all their la- lavish things. Cause you have to schmooze clients. You have to find the clients. You have to like sometimes go internationally mm-hmm. to find like overseas buyers for that level of, you know, uh, budget. So I think that's a big difference where like in LA there's like thousands of people who can buy a house, you know, for under $2 million. So I feel like there's a lot more buyer competition. Um, Which, how fucking wild is that? That like $2 million is the like average Joe budget. (laughs) I feel like we're also jaded that that's like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, like the poor people, the poors, you know, they can afford up to 2 million, but that is just so crazy to me. Yeah. But, and then, sorry, the other thing that I feel like I've noticed, because, you know, all I do is watch shows about real estate, um, is that you see a lot, like you hear a lot in the luxury market, like, well, we all know this market's a little bit difficult right now. There's a lot of inventory, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like in the non-luxury market, the 2 million and below market, it's like the market is unprecedented and we've never seen movement like this. And people are making 300% on their investment mm-hmm. six months ago. And like, I, I, I think that like, just kind of to your point is just such a, 
an indication of the difference in the saturation of the market, right? Both yeah. from an inventory perspective as well as And not buyers. to get too too technical, but like obviously the stock market is a little like rocky. It's been a little bit rocky. Mm-hmm. So um and with all the shit that goes on in the world with the pandemic and all the things that happen, you know, um people sometimes feel like putting your money into physical, tangible property and real estate is a much more safer bet. So people just like throw whatever they have, get it out of the stock market, take their cash and put it into a, a property. Because at the end of the day, even if the market goes down, it's always going to come back eventually. So yeah. like, you know, if you're not, not looking for a quick turnaround buck, real estate's really the way to go. Um, yeah. So that's kind of um, why the market is pretty crazy because everyone's just like safer bet to put my money into real estate. And with the interest rates being so low, um, money, by getting cash is cheap, you know, getting a loan is cheap. You're not paying a huge amount of interest. So that is so interesting to me, just hearing about sort of those <laughs> that um, the poor market is two million and below. Um, I just can't. But um, okay, taking a step back, um, a love to hear a little bit more about your sort of production experience, like why you left TV. Okay, so I worked in production for almost about thirteen years. I went to school for broadcast media and immediately like started interning and like working on daytime. I started in daytime television. Um, I worked uh, for Rachel Ray, her shows for a while. Um, that was like my first sort of step. I, I loved know. Rachel oh, Ray. I, I, I worked on the original Queer Eye for a minute, like the original. Wait, Ray. I didn't know what? I, yeah. That was like one of my first like little jobs. Well, I think my crush York. on you is back. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. I hopped around a lot. So I stayed in daytime television for a while. I worked for Nate Berkus. He's the designer who worked with mm-hmm. Oprah for a long time. Um, then I transitioned into like lifestyle, like HGTV, Food Network. Um, yeah, so I worked on all that stuff. What a past um, life. That is insane. Yeah, I, it's it's super fun to work in the industry you do work a lot. Like your, your set days are very long. Like it's not like all, all that glamorous, but I got to meet a ton of great people, celebrities and you know, all the yeah. things. Long days, Maddie, you and I would not, we would not fare well. In that <laughs> I'm like, I've just been on three calls. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are these people asking of me? It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, so, did you leave because it was so exhausting? No, I left because this is going to age me, but I really started off in production before like there was social media, like mm. YouTube was just like a very small thing when I was, you know, getting into television in like 2006, 2005, 2006. There wasn't, Facebook was like a blip on the radar. Like I didn't have, no one had Facebook. There was no Instagram. I don't think Twitter was around yet. So it was like actually fun to do television and production when there wasn't social media. Then through the years when social media blew up and everyone and their mother can become a producer on their own um, or create a podcast. <laughs> um, hey, hey, watch it, mister. <laughs> I felt like the industry was so saturated with people who claim to be producers when I actually like went to school for it. And I like mm. find myself the up the ladder of like getting jobs and stuff like that. Um, I just felt like I had hit a plateau and there was like no more room for me to really like challenge myself and grow. Like, cause, uh, creativity is very subjective mm-hmm. and 
we can all have great ideas and we think our ideas are the best, but someone else might think that idea sucks. So for me, I felt like at the end of the day, like there was just too much gray area, like of what people like, liked. like I would have a million ideas and I'm like, yes, I'm going to sell this show or I'm going to get this idea on TV. And then you tell 10 people and they're like, yeah, that idea is no good. Um, it's kind of like, it makes you feel defeated and like, well, my idea is good, you know? Yeah. And that's why people started creating their own content. And I just like, at I didn't have the like energy to do that anymore. I was just like kind of burnt out. So I always loved real estate from, I was a little kid. I used to draw houses when I was a kid, like, like literally like draw, like, and my mom's an artist. So like that creates creative bug, like was always in me, but then like, I wanted to transition into actually real estate. And I always loved design working on HGTV, like really got me into like home design and I just loved looking at houses. I don't call, I do not make a design decision in this house. I'm not oh, kidding. Yeah, she, yeah. Without talking to Paul. She doesn't for... always listen to me, but she does like. <laughs> what decision did I not listen to you on? I don't know. There's been so many. I'm oh, the... oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay. We're going to have a conversation about this later, but I feel anyway. like I pressured you to get the hexagon tile. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Paul called. And it looks beautiful, by the way. It looks yes. beautiful, but apparently there's variation in marble and it's very high maintenance. And I can't deal your with Your bathrooms that. and your kitchen are the most equity in your house. So put the money in. Better there. fucking be the equity considering the price of that Look, fucking crew. Learning something new every day. I did not know that. Yeah. Good to know. So that when I start looking for a house, I'll be looking at the kitchen and the bathrooms. You'll have the Karen <laughs> Paul team. Yeah. I can't tell you how many clients will walk into a house that clearly has been updated and renovated, but people like do like the cheaper version of like renovations and then clients will walk in and be like, I'm going to just going to rip this whole bathroom out anyway. So like, it's better to like spend the money on like those bathrooms. So when you go to sell your house, people see the value in it and like, Mm -hmm. see that they're paying to get like a beautiful, well quality construction and design. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Good to know. Anyway. Facts from Paul. (laughs) I transitioned I moved to LA and I was over the industry in Hollywood and I did the opposite of what people do when they move to LA. I got out of the industry and I started working for a real estate team. I got my license and yeah, it's been a roller coaster ever since. (laughs) Roller coaster. Um, Okay. So out of curiosity, when you say a roller coaster, what does that mean? Well, roller coaster with the market being so crazy, it's been on the rise mm-hmm. since I got into real estate. It's only been getting crazier um, just because there's so little inventory of property and there's so many people who want to buy a place. So the bidding wars and the competition on houses, it's just like a roller coaster every day. Like sellers literally have people buy the balls because they have all the leverage because they have 10 people that want to buy their house. And the seller could be like, I want X amount of money and I want you to, um, you know, stand on my roof and dance naked for three hours and the buyers will do it just to get the house. (laughs) Damn. And then the emotional ride of it, like Alina can attest to this, like it's so emotional for people, especially first time buyers. Mm. I become a therapist. I become a handholder. A designer. I have clients that will just like, they'll call me at like 10 o'clock at night to like vent about stuff and like, it's just like the emotion that goes into it's the biggest investment some people do in their entire life. Mm. And, you know, for them, it's so overwhelming. 
So it's that emotional roller coaster that I go through with my clients on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I wasn't even an emotional buyer. I don't think I was an emotional buyer and it was still emotional, just the experience, the up and the down. And I feel like I was like, okay, I'm not attached to this, I'm not attached to that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's it, like, bitch, I you were it's emotional more the frustration. as fuck. It's more the yes, frustration exactly. of like- Exactly, the experience. Yeah, because of all yeah. the real estate rules when you submit an offer and yeah. stuff like that. So- so that's kind of, that's so cool that you're kind of giving us like a sneak peek of like behind the scenes of what it actually means to be a real estate agent. Cause I think, you know, when we talk about this show and a lot of other reality TV based like real estate shows, um, I keep reading that the show is a very poor depiction of all that you do and really manage behind scenes. hundred um, percent. And also kind of going into a little bit of Sibling Sunset, like I've read that real estate agents are like, we don't have time for this bullshit inner office drama. Like it is, it like it's not a real depiction of what it's like in real life. Can you speak more to that? It's not. It's and again, luxury market is a little bit different because these girls obviously like they're we're more concerned with how they look and how they appear in front of their million dollar clients and all that. Um, but the amount of administration work that goes into behind the scenes when you're dealing with a, a, a lender who's helping your client get a mortgage, um, all the disclosures and documents that have to be signed and read and filled out behind the scenes, like the amount of paperwork. I tell all my new buyers, the minute they start looking for a house, I'm like, get ready because this is going to be a second job for you. Like you have your nine to five job and you need to keep that so you can buy the house, but you're going to have another second job, like getting through the process of buying a house. And they're like, literally like, oh my God, you're right. Like I can't, like the amount of phone calls behind the scenes and text messages and dealing with the other agent and inspections and negotiating, negotiating inspections. And, and printing, the amount of printing you have to do. <laughs> She's worried about the paper wasting. No, well, yeah, but I'm just like, remember I didn't have a printer and you had to like drive from- Oh, Germany I've done that. I've, I've done like, that multiple times for people. To print like, so much shit. I've gone to people's, like I printed stuff out and gone to people's offices so they can sign stuff yeah, uh, yeah. for me. Like who was a, print, a home printer now? Like do you think I mean, Christine in her freaking Lamborghini and her 12 inch heels is driving to someone's office to get paperwork signed? No. <laughs> no. I mean, she probably has three assistants that'll do it for her. I don't have an assistant, but. Um. Not yet. Not so <laughs> Not Karen. yet. Um, but so- they, they show the glitz and the glamour real estate and like they do one phone call and it's like, oh, do we have a deal or do we not have a deal? What's the price? Mm-hmm. And then the deal is signed and that's it. Like the, the multiple phone calls that I'm on, like kissing an agent's ass to try and get my offer like leveraged, at. leveraged <laughs> up like and talking to the client and like texting with the client and I'm, I'm on like literally and this is why I tell a lot of my friends don't put me on group tech chats because even with my family I'm like I'm on I'm like on 10 so many. I'm, I'm so literally sad. on 10 group chats I think five are with me like five are probably with you <laughs> and I'm like it gets so overwhelming because I'm talking to like family members of the buyer their family members want to weigh in. So then I'm talking to their, their brother or their, yeah. their mom Jesus. who's giving them money towards the house. So I got to get her opinion and she needs to know what's going on. Like I'm having all these conversations all day long and you know, they don't show that in Selling Sunset. It's like a uh, high level of EQ. It sounds like that's required um, to be able to navigate the complexity of the relationships, not just of your clients, but also the people tied to your clients and the buyers and the sellers. And, and the amount of time I spend in my car like <laughs> your car office literally like some days I'm in Santa Clarita in the morning doing showings and I have to go down to like 
East LA the same day and like drive over to the West side. Which in LA time may as well be 300 miles. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's insane, but they don't show them doing that. And again, luxury is a little bit different, you know, lower volume for sure. Yeah. Wait, so sorry. I want to just go back to something you said about, um, about how they depict it. Like it's just one phone call. Do we have a deal? So I know that you have to like write the offer and that's a lot of admin and blah, blah, blah. But my question for you is, does that really happen? Cause so I'm talking specifically about the whole drama around did Jason like handle the sale for Chriselle or did she handle it herself? And like, is it that easy as calling and being like, hi, so my buyer wants to offer you this, like no contingency, whatever, like the terms are of the offer, accept or don't. Cause I feel like that's not <laughs> like, this goes back to the whole scripting thing. Like have they already sold the house and this is just all for show? Oh yes. Good question. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, <gasps> yeah, I thought so. Led. I fucking they, thought so. Like that phone call that Chriselle got in the office where yeah. the, the agent on the other side was like, Oh, six people are going to be mad at me. Like that was all like pre-produced. You already knew that the house, they had gotten the house. Mm. Um, Cause they have to create storylines. The producers behind the scenes have to create all these storylines and script it out prior. Like you guys sort of have a script to do your podcast. You know what you're going to talk Why about. Why are you giving away our secrets? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's the same thing. You have to know if that agent is available to get on the phone when you guys are, have a camera crew there. I didn't like, even think about that. Oh, mm-hmm. 100%. Like you have to make sure that that agent is going to be able to answer their phone between 4 and 5 p.m. when the mm-hmm. camera's rolling and the audio guy's there so they can record the call. So yeah. all of that is like pre-meditated like, and, and, you know. I like knew it because I was like, there is no way in hell that the audio is that clear. And there's no way in hell that like these conversations are happening while the camera crew is there. Like just miraculously, this person just oh. called. Okay, you guys are smarter than me because it never occurred to me that like every call happens to happen while the camera's rolling. Never the camera's just like 24-7. Yeah. That's never or they to had that they had that call in real time with that agent, maybe like before shooting. And they're like, okay, we're going to recreate this for a camera. Yeah. We're going to call you back and have that conversation again. Same so, exact conversation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, kind wait, of- my mind's blown. Sorry. <laughs> Tying back to this whole Chris Shell situation. Mean, the Kardashians didn't teach us that everything is fucking made up and like created. See, in my head, Kardashians is a different kind of reality television than all of the reality television that yeah. I watch. I'm very upset right now and I, I kind of want to go sit in the corner. But sorry, because I'm tying it back to Chris Shell. What were you saying? <laughs> to Chris Shell. Um, no, I, I kind of agree with you. The Kardashians are a very different breed and it is hard because I feel like with real estate, it's like real people. You know what I mean? So it's a lot more complex, I think, than just the storyline of a family. But no, um, kind of going back to this whole situation with Chris Shell and Jason. Um, I know that there was this whole storyline piece where apparently Jason was the agent that had been like listed supposedly in the paperwork for her house. And it was this whole drama. So I'm actually kind of curious, like how bad is it to have another agent listed as someone who sold you the house? Like, I felt like that was a bit blown out. You're still getting the paycheck, right? Like if you're still getting commission, does it matter? Um... I was a little confused by that. So, and I was trying to like piece it back last night when I was thinking about it. So his name was on the offer contract for Chris Shell's yeah. house. Is that what it was? But is that not because he owns the brokerage? But I guess he was also listed as the agent that sold her the house. So it wasn't just the brokerage. I think he, he was also listed as the agent too. So he was 
basically this on the selling side, like the listing agent. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. no the buying side, like, yeah. like Chriselle wasn't listed as representing herself in the purchase of the home. Mm. Obviously she was. That doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. And I felt like they made that like a bigger storyline okay. for nothing okay, cool. yeah, because as long as like the other agent who you're working with understands that like who he's working with and you're disclosing who's buying the house, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, mm. but if they were doing it in a way, like to get some kind of better deal that I don't know, like maybe like Jason was able to leverage something else because, you know, behind the scenes, I don't know. Because maybe- You mean he bought the house for her because he's <laughs> fucking in love with her? Oh Conspiracy so alert. Like maybe Jason was able to buy the house all cash or something and she wasn't. So he yeah. just bought it and then like she'll pay him for it or whatever and put it in her name. Well, let's face that it, is the type of sugar daddy I fucking want. <laughs> God, I wish I wasn't 5'10". I probably would go and flirt with Jason or Brett. <laughs> But I don't think that I, I feel like there's a limit to the height of the woman that they would be comfortable with. And I think 5'10 is probably out of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, how yeah. tall is Chrishell? I mean, in heels, she's like slightly taller than him. So I think I feel like she's probably like 5'3, five, 5'4. Five, Fair enough. A five, five. picture of Chrishell today, a side by side of what she looked like a few years ago versus yeah. she got the glow up. <laughs> she looks. What is it that you said, Paul, earlier on, on, on text? Well, just in context, there was a photo of Chriselle from like a few years ago and she looked like a different person. She looked homely. Jane, she looks like, a little homely. And I think mm-hmm. Chriselle's like, but homely comparatively speaking. And now you see her now and she's like gorgeous and like extensions down to the floor, beautiful lips, boobs, the whole nine. It's not that we're ugly, we're just broke. So if we were rich like that, <laughs> we'd all look fucking amazing. We're so poor. We ain't ugly, we just broke. Guys, <laughs> watch, watch face. I'm going to have an evolution like that too. And one day, somebody's going to be doing a side-by-side. Okay, side so let's call like, yeah, bitch. to the fact that Alina actually wants to be cast on Selling Sunset. Oh, 100%. And- but you can't say that out loud because they don't cast you if you want to be on it. I read Adam DeVello, who's the executive producer. I read, he was like, I don't go after people that clearly want to be on the show. So sh- clearly, because none of them are actually real, real estate agents. Yes, but they all, hold up, hold up, hold up. But we kind of also have to give folks a little bit of context that like reality TV has always wanted Alina. So y'all, <laughs> when I knew that I was going to be best friends with Alina was when we were doing a casual work, like getting to know you kind of thing. Um, And Alina's fun fact is that apparently somebody came up to her trying to cast her on Bad Girls Club, y'all. Oh my God. In Orlando, Florida, it was my, I think, junior or senior year of college. I was getting like cold stone because clearly that's how I was caring for my body, how I still care for my body. Um, And somebody was like, (laughs) came out to me and my friend Kelsey and was like, hey, we're like broadcasting for the Bad Girls Club, but whatever, like, would you be interested in auditioning? And for a second, I was like, Yes. Yeah. But then I was like, <laughs> my gosh, I've never been in a physical altercation in my life, which changed shortly after my sister and I got into a physical altercation mm-hmm. and it was not good. We learned that like, I don't know how to fight because oh my God, my sister's going to kill me for this. But basically long story short, she had me, my sister's half my size, literally. And she had me between her legs with my hair, like wrapped around her hand. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, holy shit, she's, she's beating me. So I just bit her. That's all I have are strong teeth. Um, and so I was like, I just don't know that I could like deal with a fight on camera. 
and walk away. With no, my I feel like that kind of show you have to be desperate for any kind of attention. I was at the time. I probably still am, to be honest with you guys. But, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that like reality TV loves an Alina. Like Jing Jing, I feel like reality TV is your thing. Oh, we got to get you on. We got to get you on there. I had a friend that used to work for Mob Wives in New York. Like back in the heyday when Why did I know you when you were in TV? <laughs> and she used to tell me the crazy stories of how they would get these bitches to like fight. And she'd like obviously there's always alcohol involved. They get them drunk, tipsy. Mm-hmm. And then they're this like is my house. <laughs> then they're like then they're like, This bitch just ratted you out. Go, go talk to her. And they put them out there and then they're like, <laughs> No, that's really what they do. They like they get them like drunk Fired tipsy. Up. And then they like literally Flip tables. They put them in yeah. a moment where they literally they just have to react. It's like yeah, I love it. So like this is why I felt like when we did our bachelor episode, hashtag let's review, shall we? Where we talked about production manipulation or producer manipulation, how it is a very well-known thing. And I think in these types of shows, they have a psychological analysis of each one of the folks that are on the show. And they probably know what their fucking triggers are. And you, then you just add alcohol and then there you go. You have like your little bombs and you just push them into it and then watch the show. I feel like this is like a space I could fucking thrive in. You have no idea. Well, on the note, Paul, like what is the wor- quote unquote worst thing that you've done to get drama out of a cast member? Well, I didn't necessarily work in this kind of reality TV. I worked in like lifestyle reality TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had to create a storyline? So Yes. Like working in renovation television, there's usually like families or couples that were like part of like their we're renovating their house or we're doing a makeover on their house. And I have to find out like what the husband likes and doesn't like and what the wife likes and doesn't like. And then like sort of like create like a little bit of drama out of that. So like, oh, your wife really wants the kitchen to be like, you know, white. She wants an expensive, you know, <laughs> Moroccan tile on the back, but you're like very much more modern and clean. Like, are you going to let her get that? Or like, how do you feel about that? And then that's like, that. I mean, that's such mediocre yeah. drama, but like. <laughs> I live for it. I feel like I watch those shows and I'm like, oh, are they going to get the modern and clean? Who wears the pants of this That's the level of my drama. Although I did, working in daytime TV, I had like more salacious topics. Like I did a topic. Ooh. One. Like the word salacious. I know. It's a favorite that. word. <laughs> This is back when like daytime TV was actually like good. Like, oh, um, damn, shots fired. Okay. <laughs> like, I did a topic once and I had to cast girls who like were doing teen, like, there was a big rise of like teen plastic surgery back in like the Florida. Late, back in like the late <laughs> 2000s, like 2008 and nine. And like, girls were getting all this work done. Um, young girls, like under 18. So I had to cast like all these like 17 year olds oh, who were getting interesting. like. Their lips done and boob jobs at like 16, 17 years old. And I had to create drama like with a few of them, like with their family. Um, so that was kind of like. Did it feel dirty? <laughs> Sorry, that's a mean question. This is <laughs> why like, feel dirty, right? I went to like working on HGTV and Food Network stuff because <laughs> I just got to eat and like look at pretty design. <laughs> um, okay, but. so like I'd like to follow up from that question. Um, do you think that the producers are like, Hey, Maya, why don't you go ask whether people who clearly are not invited to every party that happened on this, on this season, 
um, or going? Like, or do you think she's actually just trying to make herself relevant and therefore being a pot stirrer? Because you know that I personally think that Maya is on her way to being cut because like she's always pregnant, which I think is amazing for her. But like, no offense, like bitch can't even get drunk and like cause some drama. First of all, so Maya's a wasted space in my eyes. <laughs> I think she's related to somebody that's on the production or she knows <gasps> one of the executives at Netflix and they're like, Maya, just we're going to use you as a space filler, like you're a friend of the family. <laughs> so First, good. Oh, she has, friend of the family. Has she done a deal or showed a house in like three seasons? No. Damn. That's a fair point. Didn't and even I, think about that. Like, yes, yeah, she'll, she'll throw in a question to like cause drama, but she never adds anything to like the conversations. I feel like her, whatever comes out of her mouth is so scripted. It's like, feels so like not authentic. Mm. Cause she's probably like, fuck, I got to go home and breastfeed the kids in like an hour. <laughs> like she's probably like doing all the things like. <laughs> Do you think she wants to be on it though? Like, I guess my question is. And she's probably a nice person. I hate to be that mean, but you know, I call what I She see. seems very nice, but I guess like my thing is she's clearly the pot stir on this season and multiple and like previous seasons as well but literally her only job this season was to be like so but i feel like are you going to christine's yeah, bridal show, baby shower yeah. oh are you going to the love party which looked yeah. all cold as fuck by the way that everyone looked so miserable they did yeah speaking of the love party <laughs> how pissed do we think jason was when that guy like picked chriselle up and was like, I just want to take you. You're too hot to be dancing on the edge of the boat. Also, how fucking cringe was that to begin with? Like, that was a lot. Yeah, it was the it was weird yeah. and awkward. And we watched that episode together. Remember, Mark was like, I have to get up and but walk I out felt of the like it, he it watch was it. Even, he was so upset. Didn't you feel like it was more awkward? Because now we know that Jason and Chriselle had a thing and they probably mm-hmm. had a thing then. And mm-hmm. I felt more awkward because I'm like, oh God, Jason's sitting there watching this. Do you think that the production team knew that they had a thing going on? So I, throughout the whole fucking season, I was like watching and I could just sense the fuck you eyes oh. back and forth between them. And I was so surprised that production didn't bring it up this season. And then also in regards to the whole like Simu, I always butcher his last name and I'm so sorry. Simu Louis Lee. Um, he played Shang-Chi in the, the new Marvel movie. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Her client. You- yeah, you could tell that he was, like, into her, and then you could tell that Jason was getting really uncomfortable, and then that's when he, like, said his little story that, oh, I sold this house, as if to, like, break them up from being too close to each other on the couch at some point. Um, I was like, so is production going to play on this relationship? Are they not? Like, you can tell that he's getting uncomfortable. You can tell that they're together. From my perspective, and just being in television, I think that they knew they were already dating and they knew about their relationship behind the scenes. However, Jason was probably like, we're not ready to like reveal this. We're going to like create some like suspense and drama and like kind of make it look like there might be like a weird thing, but we're going to use it as a tease to the next season. And that's obviously like that last episode was like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So I was going to say, I actually read an article this morning. I don't know if I sent it to you, Maddie. I think I sent it to both of you. Anyway, um, where Jason said that Chris Shell was the one who was like not ready to bring it out. Fair enough. Out in the public. They said that they didn't tell production that only quote unquote a few close people knew, but that they kept it under wraps. So I was more impressed, like regardless of whether or not production knew, I was just like the fact that Jason was able to sit there and like watch that. 
I feel like I actually think that he's a really nice guy and I feel like it's so impressive that he's able to do what he needs to do. And and he was just like, look, like I was ready to come out whenever she was, but she wasn't ready. And so blah, 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 whatever. Like, I don't know that I could sit there and watch someone that I was dating be like groped effectively by some rando for TV or not. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, no, I would be I like really distraught. You, you say that, but once you're in production and you see like all the like conniving shit that we have to do, you're like, oh, okay. Oh. He's going to grow up for a minute, whatever. <gasps> like, I'm going to go to the crafty table and get a fucking snack. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of shit that I want to hear about behind the scenes stuff. Like, I always knew that there was like this more, I don't want to call it malicious, but I like. Think it's malicious calculated calculated type tone behind scenes like it was a production decision to not release the relationship because they were focusing on the christine drama that was the whole thing this season and now next season is going to be all about jason and christelle and all the girls gonna be like oh my god they're dating yeah Mm. speaking of christine we haven't talked about her nearly enough today yeah we have not so um i think the biggest thing that i recently saw uh, and and i can't quite pinpoint my feelings on this quite yet so i'll bring it to you both um has anyone seen the nasty allegations people are making that christine apparently faked her pregnancy and that she actually used a surrogate instead uh people are basically going off of that because um of how quickly she bounced back and how she normalized like getting back to life so quickly um considering that she had such a traumatic birth experience what are your thoughts i'll let you go or do you want me to go i have thoughts oh i have thoughts okay. too. Uh, <laughs> thoughts <laughs> i feel like we've heard this before with with people on tv and in the media like they're pregnant and then everyone like they said about beyonce they said it about Kim yeah, Kardashian. That's right. they say it about them like oh she wasn't really pregnant um, kim we all knew she was pregnant she looked pregnant um, yeah, but she bounced back pretty fucking fast. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Um, but both, both are true, is what I'm saying. Yeah. With Christine, like, she's so, like, seems, like, manipulative and calculating that, like, I wouldn't put it past her to, like, mm-hmm. you know, fake that she's pregnant. I mean, I think um, she's like and, a vein, right? Let's yeah. be real. Like, she looked like she had a basketball on her and didn't gain an ounce of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I, it could be. But ah. again... Everyone's going to have a comment, whether it's positive or negative, about on social well, media. Like, I think the biggest thing was the the scene where she was literally doing fucking yoga, like up on her like head and shit. And um, she had just had the baby, and so when Davina came in and was like, "Oh, did anybody congratulate you on the baby?" And so people were like, wait, you just had a traumatic birth experience and you're up and about doing yoga and such complicated yoga. Like, and also like she had a C-section, like the emergency section where she went on the whole thing about how like her Mm -hmm. and the baby both almost flatlined, which I pray to God. No one would like lie about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, oh God, if she would have made that up, I'd be like, you are a crazy psycho. No, no, no. I, I believe that. Um, so I guess my interesting because my initial reaction so i'm kind of glad that you went first paul was to be like who the fuck cares <laughs> like <laughs> i no, no 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 what i mean by that is like i don't care how somebody gets pregnant why somebody gets pregnant yeah like i don't like if she had a surrogate why can't i speak today <laughs> had a surrogate um i like fully support that and i think that that's amazing that she can do that i also think 
Um, I also think it's not my business, right? But like, I think the why people are saying these things or where the allegation is coming from is because now she's setting extremely unrealistic expectations because already being a mom is a very difficult thing to do. But like women already with like a post baby body, like it's such a struggle. And yes, every woman is different, but to have such unrealistic expectations. Yeah, exactly. But to have like a platform and to like set such unrealistic expectations, like I think that's kind of dangerous. I'm not a fan of Christine by any means. I think she's crazy, but she makes good TV though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't think that she's responsible for other people and how they feel about their body. Adele just said this in her movie the other day, like my body and what weight I am, has nothing to do with how anyone else feels about what, how I look. And you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think don't get me wrong. I understand. And like, there are days when sometimes I'm on Facebook or uh, Instagram and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> you know, I'm like, shit, why am I poor? Why can't I just like, I said, we, ain't, we ain't ugly. We just We're broke. Just <laughs> And let's be very, very, very real. Like I said, watch this space. I will look very different in, you know, a couple of years. I do today. Um, But yeah, I agree. I also think that like at a certain point, yes, I agree that there's a platform and all these things, but like at what point is it not their, it's not their responsibility to take care of everyone that is feeling insecure about all the above. So, okay. Like I was saying, I originally was like, it's not our business, but you're right. I don't know if you, so I saw an article a couple years ago, someone that I know that had a baby, she posted and it talked about the mother's experience postpartum. It's horrifying. People don't talk about it enough. No. And I had never really thought about it because it's so true. Like the baby's here. Who gives a fuck about mom, right? It's all about mom, 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 mom. And then baby's delivered. Nobody with the mom anymore, right? Also, in the U.S., we have the worst post-baby maternal care, like not in the U.S., but in the world. Like, yeah. as a developed nation, we're, like, bottom of the bottom. Like, it's it really awful. sad. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's terrible. But, like, not getting into that, but still just, like, even just, like, the fact that they're, like, cool, we've just cut you open, now go breastfeed and wake up every five minutes while your body needs to heal and blah, 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 whatever. Um, and so I always make it a point when I go to a baby shower that I buy the mom something. And so recently it's been the, like the Frida postpartum. I don't remember what it's called. It's a kit. Actually, um, Tanya, if you're listening, um, Tanya, I saw it on one of our mutual (laughs) friends, um, on her baby registry. And it was the first time I saw something that was like specific to the mom. And I noticed nobody was buying it. And I spent the majority of like my budget on that for the mom. And I was like, Hmm, I could probably get, I can get 12 onesies for the baby or I can get a onesie and this thing. And like, she texted me after and was like, I just want to say thank you so much because it's so nice that, you know, all Mm. everybody bought shit for the baby, but like I needed those fucking ice pads, you know, like the ice, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I actually don't, I've never used it, but I'm like, I needed that nipple cream and I needed this and I needed that. So Mm -hmm. I guess to your point, sorry, going back to the whole Christine thing, you're right. It didn't occur to me. Like this bitch said she was so like, had such a traumatic experience. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then was it upside down? Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, people are just hating on her because she's skinny. But no, okay. This, this makes a lot yeah. more sense. She now. like bounced. 
Yeah. It's like, I wish that there had been more like realness from her as to like what that experience was for her, like going into motherhood. And I feel like that completely got cut out. And I don't know, that might've been like a production decision. Sure. But um, I think that's probably what's lending to the argument of like why people think she might've used a surrogate and played this all off. I think it was a production storyline thing Mm -hmm. where they, Seemed like she just had the baby, but I think there was more time in between her there having the baby and then them shooting. And they yeah. just like in the story, they closed the timeline gap a little bit like, oh, she just had the baby. And like now she's like walking around and doing all this shit. I think they do literally say, though, I can't believe you had a baby three days ago. Oh, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, they it was did. like there was a point when they said, like, you just had a baby two weeks ago. And she was like literally like walking Wearing around a in a mini skirt yep. with like a half shirt and like 20 inch heels. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like this is LA, guys. Right? Like, I do think that that's realistic. Whether it's like you go straight in and get a mommy makeover and lipo and all of the above, I, I'm not. First saying of all, the case, I thought Christine was like 42. I thought she was older than me. And this one googled it, and she's like 30 years this old. <laughs> she's 32. She and she's looks like, a lot older, and not in like a in like a like a bad way. She just looks very much more mature in the face to me. I don't know. Well, I think a lot of that is work. Botox, fillers, all that shit, because it's like... But wouldn't you want to look younger than older? Yes, I think that... The, I, you don't okay. the same amount of work and you don't look that... I'm just kidding. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, you know what I did notice, though? No, no. <laughs> Ooh, she's coming for you after, Paul. <laughs> what, I, what I did notice, actually, Christine, you and I are the same, same, is that her one, one side of her mouth is a little bit like lower than the other and i have that same thing where the left side of my mouth just kind of droops a little bit mm. so anyway we're the same same her lips are insane yeah like it literally looks like she's got a couple of syringes in there of juvage it looks for sure. like someone hit her in the face a few oh times no her lips are obnoxious though it's one thing like we're in la like every girl here has like plumped up like, literally i lips. do <laughs> but her lips just they just look obnoxious they yeah. look like pieces of like freaking yeah. salami well do you think uh, it's part of her persona though like i feel like she's playing off of like and i think alina you and i had like said this a little bit of like new money like la new money where it's just sort of this like persona of outdoing it with the luxury brands, like outdoing it with like the type of work done on your face with like how plumped your lips are, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like I'm kind of tired of seeing her wear like monogram head to toe. Like we get it. You're a fucking millionaire, but that's like, I I actually find that to be tacky. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like, an insecurity thing we need to show like off like what you have by lay by labeling i think so labels and stuff like that but i mean like the the heart family um from my unorthodox life as well right they went from being literally like unable to wear anything but ugly ankle length skirts to wearing head to toe louis head to toe dior head to toe chanel talk about another forced yeah. Reality. <laughs> oh God, I know. But oh but my but my point is like I think a lot of it's like new money, right? Like you come into money, and so you're suddenly like, oh my God, I have to showcase that to the world. Um. Okay. But wait. So speaking of Christine, I think I was so disappointed in the way that she backed, and I have air quotes for the folks who are listening, but like backed down and was like, I feel like she went from being the villain who was like, look, I'm a boss bitch. And you come at me and I will fucking kill you to suddenly being like, Mary, 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 Mary. I'm just trying to like be your friend. Like, 
I, I was like, I get it. You're a mom, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, that storyline does not go along mm. with everything else, right? Like she was like, oh, I'm three days postpartum and I'm going to be on my head. And my kid is with someone else. But then suddenly she's like, I'm a mom. And all I care about is the health of my baby. And I don't want to deal with trauma anymore. So Mary, let's be best friends again. Like, I was just like, come on. Like you can't spend three seasons building mm. yourself as this badass motherfucker and then suddenly be like oh my god I'm so sorry I think it's because she started to realize that her story wasn't making sense and she started to realize that like nobody was on her side and so she was just trying to spin it of like let me avoid dealing with this problem and let me avoid admitting anything and let me just try to find my like at least some kind of companion or someone on my fucking side that she was willing to just like take it laying down you know um to some degree I this sounds like Regina George <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Um, I just, yeah, I think for me, what it came down to is the fact that she got caught in her manipulation. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Lisa Vanderpump when she basically like bowed out of Real Housewives because we all knew she was like the master manipulator on a lot of seasons. Um, And finally, when she got caught and it was like so obvious, she just like removed herself from the situation. But what Christine is doing is she's like still, she's like, I still need the money from this show to some degree or like the fame of the show that she's like, I don't want to admit to like this manipulation, but I also like still want to be friends well, so that I can be on in later seasons kind of thing. I think what she was doing was a little calculating too, because she, like she said in that last episode, it's like, you guys are monsters. Mm-hmm. Like making try, I'm trying to make everyone else look like they're crazy. And like, she's like, I just had a baby. Like you guys are attacking yeah. me. Like I'm just trying to live my life as a mom. And like everyone else was going crazy. Like they all were going crazy, like over something so stupid. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she was trying to reverse it and be like, well, I'm not the crazy one now. Look at all you crazy bitches like yelling and cack- cackling. <laughs> over nothing. Mary, 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 Mary. That's all I remember from that. Um, but like, what do we think about Christine getting caught in her lie though? Like about the ex-fiance situation. So for our listeners who may not be aware, um, Emma and Christine have this conversation where Christine says that her, um, where she basically says that the person that was dating Emma and who had, you know, proposed to her also proposed to her too. Um, And she says that, oh, we didn't tell anyone or rather I told Davina she was the only one who knew. Um, He took the ring back, blah, 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 blah. um, And tried to make Emma feel like shit and told Emma at some point, like, oh yeah. Then I was wondering if he gave you my ring. And I was like, what the fuck? And then we find out later as the season unfolded that he never did propose to her. There was no ring. Davina wasn't even friends with Christine during this time. So how the fuck would she know? And Davina at some point was like, I'm not going to be caught up in this lie. I'm just trying to still have my place in the Oppenheim group and I'm not getting involved in this drama, which I thought was hilarious. Um, So yeah, I'm kind of curious as to what y'all thought about her getting caught in that lie. Like, what was that about? I, I honestly don't think it was all her. Like, yes, she like was involved in being a part of the lie but i think the i think production made that mm. lie bigger than it was oh yeah and she just went along with it Interesting. Um, because you could you can kind of feel like even like the cast members were like over like the whole like oh talking about it every day like it was literally like they were forcing it so much yeah and I feel like that's why Christine at the end was like, I don't even care anymore. Like, I'm just going. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, 
Like, I don't care. You guys yeah. are monsters. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I agree. I mean, I think the whole Emma thing was clearly so contrived. Yeah. Of every, so apparently Emma, she maybe wasn't like full time. She maybe wasn't like super active, mm. but she has been at the Oppenheim group, I think the entire time. Yeah. And so, like, of everybody that you could bring. And and apparently their ex is also. Yeah, he's at the Oppenheim group, too, which I thought was fucking hilarious. I was like, what is this incestuous group over here? (laughs) I think that happens more than you think, right? Like, it happens in every workplace. Yeah. But anyway. Well, they uh, only focus on the girls. Like, they only show. Yeah, they're, they're like, a huge team. I thought there were, like, two or three more people, but there's, like, a lot. I've been saying since the beginning where... Eventually, I feel like they need to bring in like the the dudes, of, the gay guy, the gay agent. That's like the like get rid of Maya, let Maya go breastfeed and have another kid, and like fill that space with like a flamboyantly like amazing gay agent because there's a, a ton of them in this industry in LA. Mm. Is not, this Paul's? I am uh, not one of them. I'm not that fabulous. But like, I would disagree. Some- I would like, say you're pretty fabulous. Like, fatty gay guy who like just comes in like Stirs gives the zero pot. fucks and just like like befriends everybody, but then like stabs everyone in the back. <laughs> I would love that. That makes such good TV. Also, did y'all know that Amanza apparently she's not listed on their like registry? What? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's apparently not like, listed on the Oppenheim group registry. Well, she wasn't a realtor like a year ago, and now suddenly she's this is something that like we talked about when we were watching it and I was screaming about it. I was like, wait a second, literally 12 months ago or whenever the last season came out, Amanda was crying and her situation's awful. And I feel oh, so horrifying. Scared. Yeah. Well, like she was crying about how broke she is. And now out of nowhere, Amanda's like, Oh, JK, I sold a house and now I can afford head to toe Chanel. She's wearing like $25,000 worth of Chanel in one outfit I also think like sponsorships on Instagram because now she's like technically an influencer. So that's probably another layer to it. Maybe. I don't know. I like her. Again, I like her, but I was just like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think that you rise through the ranks that quickly. Also, she didn't sell shit this season. And the only time we really see her doing work is when she's at Chris Shell's like new house, helping her with like interior design. That's it. Maybe she's making money off that. Yeah. Which would be good for her. I mean, oh, next girl's going to be rolling in it because it was like the fourth top watch show globally, like on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they get paid a lot though. Like for example, the housewives, I know that they get paid like 300 K I think per season, uh, depending on which housewife franchise. So like, I'm kind of curious. So what Netflix is I know a housewife and I'm not mentioning any names, <gasps> but I, I've been begging him to introduce me to this she's person. Not on, she's not on any of the seasons anymore. She left. Um, but back okay. in the day, she made close to a million dollars a season. <gasps> she must have been like a big baller. Wait, so I know who this is. You've not introduced me to her, uh, for the record. But um, <laughs> I think it's like the more drama you bring, you bring their storyline in the show. Yeah, and I yeah, feel like yeah. She, she wasn't really a good character. If they, if they come in for a specific reason and, and have yeah. to like, sort of like be a part of a weird, crazy storyline, then yeah. yeah. She was, she was a really big, but character. I think these girls get at least now 50. at this point, 25,000, 50,000 per episode, per episode, per episode. 
right? So that would be, let's say it's on the conservative end. So 20, it's like 160,000. They're in their fourth season now. And it's the number, it's the number four top watch show on Netflix globally. Mm. Like that comes with a lot of like, you know, and let's face it. The production budget to shoot that show is not that big. It's just like they're not doing anything. They're just sitting in an office and they're going to look at houses. It's not like they're like shooting. You know what I mean? Like, Alina, we need to get you on this fucking show. Alina, Paul, both of you, just come on. Let's get to it. I'm going to get my real estate license first. (laughs) I would be the worst person on this show because I would be like, Paul, you were so bitchy when you because the producer would be like, say this, it'd be like, you're fucking stupid. I'm not saying shit. (laughs) No, well, okay, so I feel like you couldn't necessarily be produced because you you would produce your own storylines. Like you would tell production exactly how you would want your storyline to go. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I would be like, make me who you want. I'll be the villain. That's a lie. That is a lie. I think I'd be the villain. Do you think you could have played the role of Mary, where she's like bullet? But, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like going on and on about Christine in front of her. I think if I had like a reason to, I think if like I had actual, I don't think I could have done it if like Christine did nothing to me, but I think if Christine was like a fucking asshole to me, hell yeah. I don't know. I'm not, what do you think that I'm like all bark, no bite? I thought you called me Karen. I just feel like you're... I'm Listen, not. and I want you to be on the show because I want to be rich. I want to have a rich friend and look at houses. I'm not mean. No, it's I'm not, not mean. mean. I just, I, like, I, feel like, I feel like you're not the type of person that you want to go on and on about something for a long time. Like, yeah, we'll talk about it and then, like, I you yell like, about fuck it. it. I'm over and then it. I'm like, like I'm yeah. done. I need to move on. Exactly. I, have, I can't waste the fucking. And like, this is why. I don't think you could be a villain either because I just feel like you would just want to like hash things out and be like, let's go for drinks and like call it a fucking day. Or you would just want to be like, I'm going to cut this fucking person off. I'm done. Is that because I'm not a Gemini? (laughs) Is that because I have one personality and I just don't. Damn. Ooh, okay. (laughs) On that note. I I told you, I think that Paul has one personality, by the way, so... I do. I'm not like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, okay. one last I, final question. I oh, think okay. um, if you were to have one person be your agent from the show, who would you actually pick? Ooh. Ooh. Wow, that's a good one, Maddie. You threw that one in there. I did. Well, I'm not on the show, so I wouldn't be able to pick anybody because I would pick myself. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would pick Jason, probably. Yeah, I agree. True. Yeah, I would Jason. probably pick Jason. Um, I have an answer for this. Actually, it's not Jason. I would pick Heather. Um, I actually why? think Heather is probably one of the better agents. I'm not going to lie. Chriselle, I'm obsessed with her. I want to look like her and be her in a lot of ways. Mm. I think she... Anyway, Chriselle, based on that one phone call that they showed... I think she's one of the worst negotiators I've ever seen in my entire life. Like she's not a bulldog. Like you need a yeah, bulldog. Yeah, you need a bulldog. Yeah. Um, and not that, it, but here's the thing. I don't necessarily think, I think Mary seeing her pitch to French Montana. Well, we have a great oh, database. Oh, that was so like, uncomfortable. It's horrible. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's horrible. Like I don't, I don't do um, real estate. And I think I could have had a better pitch. Um, 
But you also know that that was probably all scripted too, because she probably already had a contract with Montana to sell that house. But like, but dear God, how the fuck did she get that listing? Because that pitch, at the same time, you still have to pitch at that level, right? Like you still have to pitch at any level. And I hope to God, she wasn't just like, well, marketing, like, yeah, everybody. Anyway, we're not going to go there right now. Um, I think Mary's awful. I'm so sorry. Like that's horrendous. And, but, but I feel like Heather, like, I think she actually. I hate to say it, but I feel like Christine would probably be the best agent because she's a little bit like she's a little bit like I don't give a fuck. I don't need this sale. Yeah. No, but I also feel like whoever she's up against in the transaction, yeah, she'll give zero fucks. Like if she's going to piss anyone off, she'd be like, "This is what it is. This is what my client wants." Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Actually, if if I were to pick, it would be between Jason and Christine. I think Christine is definitely a bulldog. And I think that she is very much like, I don't give a fuck. We're going to make this happen at the end of the day. And then wipes her hand cleans and she gets the best thing. And I think she gets a thrill out of it too. Guys, what if I was like, I'd pick Davina. Or Maya. <laughs> I'd want to be Maya's first sale. <laughs> Just kidding. You know what? I think she, I remember like a few... A few seasons ago, she wanted to like open up like for the Oppenheim group in Miami, since Miami is such like a hot spot for real estate too. And I think that- Douglas Elliman Douglas there. Oh, she is well, a Miami realtor. She works for Douglas Elliman. Maya. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything pans out in this fifth. Also, do we know when the fifth season is airing? Like, it looks like they already have all the footage, so just yeah. air it. Yeah, they've already wrapped. Do you know? Wow. We'll definitely be watching. Yes. Be live streaming, maybe. I was so fucking fired up that day. I was like sending Maddie videos. I was like, I hate these motherfuckers. Um, And then Paul will definitely have you back. Yes, we will. I feel like they're going to shake some stuff up next season. They have to. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. We can't just talk about the same shit the whole eight episodes. I feel like they need to bring, like, they brought Emma in and I feel like, she she's she's kind of cool, but like, she's kind of like a B B character for me. I feel like they need to bring in like a crazy like agent that it's like a a beast in the industry. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Like, bitches, I am here to take it over. Like, because I feel like all these agents, like Christine, like I feel like she has maybe has some clout, but I feel like none of them have a lot of clout in the industry. Like, <gasps> interesting. Like the Oppenheim group, like that's the group. I feel like there needs to be like, what's the female version of that? And she's going to come in and like shake things up. Mm. Tracy Tudor? Oh, maybe. I like that. Like, I'm not here for the fucking drama. I also will say what I thought was interesting is that they did this whole like promotional thing for Newport, was it? Where they're going to have like a new... So I'm kind of curious. I was like, okay, so this means that they're going to have like a spinoff show probably for this Newport office. Um, and they all looked super young. Did y'all see that? Well, they do have a spinoff show. It's called Selling Tampa. And I'm not going to lie. I have no interest in looking at Tampa real estate. But you mean the, the Oppenheim group is going to have like... Yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tampa, is it? I have no... I don't oh, think so. But oh. regardless, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think Tampa is like a place when I think of like, oh my God, cool real estate. So... I didn't even know that existed. Wait, so maybe I'll like house house be Newport. like every next house would be like a waterfront house with like, you know. It's gonna be boring. Yeah. It's gonna be so boring. There's no views. 
the most expensive house is like $2 million and you can't get a shack here in LA for $2 million. I know guys, <laughs> if you're $2 million, you're part of the poor's like me, um, which I'm will, not a $2 million. I will say we are in the Speranza guest house in the back of the, pro- the back of the estate. The back of the estate. <laughs> it's a very, very, very loose This term. is the studio slash office slash Airbnb slash guest house slash pool house. <laughs> Look at that. Paul is selling the shit out of your house. Because yeah. <laughs> Paul knows that come May 2022, we're I mean, ready. all you... Uh, Orlando bitches that used to be friends with Alina. She has a fucking guest house in LA. (laughs) (laughs) Paul is feeling spicy. He is. I'm loving it. I'm here for it. Anyways, cheers to the fucking weekend, bitches. I cannot wait. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And my crush is renewed. (laughs) Keep drinking. (laughs) Then I came out of the closet. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us again on The Basic in the Brain. Be sure to join us next week for our next spin on intellectualizing our basic bitch interests. Be sure to join us and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tweet us at Basic and Brain and follow us at The Basic in the Brain on Instagram. Give us feedback. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Tell us what topics you'd like for us to cover. And we'll talk to you all later. 